When I was in seminary, I was told that a good sermon has three points to it. Today, I've got 18 points to my sermon. It must be a fantastic one. Okay. Next week, Pastor Chad, our pastor, takes over the preaching duties. I am so excited. Yes. But you know, in many ways, he has already begun pastoring here. I would imagine within moments of him saying yes to our call for him to become our pastor, he started pastoring us. He started praying for us. He started thinking about us. He he started pondering what to preach when he gets here. So he's been pastoring us for several months now, uh, just uh, from behind the scenes. As I pondered on what to preach on my last message, I asked myself, what would I have liked to have had somebody preach just before I came in and started uh, pastoring a church? And what I came up with this, I would have liked to have heard a sermon on the care and feeding of your new pastor. I... I want you to listen to some, some statistics, okay? And hopefully they will shock you, okay? Listen, some of these. It was a survey done by the Fuller Institute of Church Growth, and they said this, 80% of the pastors surveyed believed that their pastoral ministry was affecting their family negatively, 80%. of them said that being in ministry is clearly a hazard to their family. 75% said they reported a significant crisis due to stress at least once every five years in their ministry. 50% feel unable to meet the needs of the job. 90%, listen to this, 90% of the pastors surveyed said that they felt they were not adequately trained to cope with the ministry demands placed upon them. 90%. said they had a lower self-image since they have become a pastor than when they began. Do those statistics shock you? Unfortunately, I have ministered to a lot of pastors in my life, and I can agree with all of those statistics. You see, pastors give much more than they get back. Uh, the, the result, there's this thing called compassion fatigue. I don't know if you've ever heard of that phrase before, where uh, the result is where, where people give a lot and they get very little in return. The result is decreased performance, stress leave, physical and mental illness, troubled relationships. Uh, These were just some of the things that are a result of an occupation like pastoring. Divorce is common amongst pastors, as is early departure from the ministry. So today I want to look at 18 do's and don'ts for we as a congregation to make sure that does not happen to this lovely couple back here, okay? 
Number one, do. Do understand that Pastor Chad is a gift from God given to this church. He is a gift of God. I've got scripture to prove it. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Let's go there. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. His name's right there. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. It says Christ gave pastors. Who did he give pastors to? He gave pastors to churches. We're a church. He's a pastor. Put it all together, okay? He is a gift of God to this church. Not because of how great he is. Not because of how good-looking he is. Not because of how young he is. Okay? He is a gift of God to the church, not because of something is done. In fact, I think Paul put it well in 1 Timothy 1.12 when he says this, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Why are pastors a gift of God to the church? Not because of something that they are, something they've done, but because God considered them trustworthy. God appoints them to ministry. Now, what do we do with God's gifts? Well, we should cherish them, shouldn't we? What does cherish mean? The word cherish means to treat something as fragile, to handle carefully, not to handle roughly. See, I believe that pastor is more than just a title. It's not like a plumber. It's not like an electrician. Pastor is a a gifting. It's a calling. It's a God-given offering to the church. And I hope as time goes by, I hope Pastor Chad and I become good friends. But that being said, I must not lose sight that he's a special gift of God given to the church, and I'm a part of this church. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Elders who do their work well should be respected. And paid well. You like that paid well part there? Especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. Pastor is an elder within the church. He's to be respected. Pastor Chad does not need to earn my respect. He has my respect because he's a pastor. And he's a gift of God to this church. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love them because of their work. Live at peace with each other. I love that. Respect your pastors. How do you do that? Oh, live at peace with one another, would you? You know, that's one of the best things you can give your pastor is just be at peace with one another. Kind of like children. What do you want from your children? You just want them to get along, don't you? Yeah. Same with pastors, one of their congregation. 
I believe of all the jobs, of all the positions, of all the titles given to people, that of being a pastor should demand the highest respect. Well, that was point number one, 10 minutes, 18 points. Oh, we're at a good pace, don't you think? Number two, number two, don't. Don't compare Pastor Chad with any other pastors. Both, (laughs) and I might add, both real and imagined, okay? Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Every person is unique. Every person has a different set of strengths and weaknesses. Folks, you can't have strengths without weaknesses. It's the head and tails, okay? If you want a person to be strong in one area, you've got to expect them to be weak in another area. You can't expect them to be strong in everything. Pastor Chad is not Pastor Cody, okay? In fact, interesting enough, I have observed in many ways those two are quite opposite. They really are. Pastor Cody was an extrovert. Pastor Cody is an, or Pastor Chad, introvert. Pastor Cody liked the great outdoors. Pastor Chad likes the great indoors. (laughs) Pastor Cody got energized by being with people and being on the go. Pastor Chad gets energized by being away from people and being alone to recharge those emotional batteries. Let him be him. Expect him to be different from anyone and everyone who's ever been in this position before because he's unique. Many times, unfortunately, in my ministry, I heard a message that I was not good enough and I needed to change who I was. And I can learn new skills, I can grow in my theology, I can grow in my knowledge of the Bible, but the one thing that I cannot do is change who I am. I am who I am. Or as Popeye would say, I am what I am. Okay? We cannot change who we are. Chad, Vanessa, they cannot change who they are. And one of the greatest things that we can do for them is just simply let them be them. Don't compare them with your your idea of the ideal pastor and pastor's wife. Let the pastor's wife be herself. Don't anticipate any personality types. Don't expect that they're going to necessarily invest themselves in a a particular ministry here. Don't expect her to be like the former pastor's wife. Just love them and let them find their place in the church. That was point number two. Point number three, we're picking up speed. We're headed downhill, okay? Number three, do not go to Vanessa with a message for her to give to Chad. (laughs) Why is your husband doing that? You need to tell your husband that he needs, you know, no, 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 no. 
We don't go through the Virgin Mary to get to Jesus. Don't go through Vanessa to get to Chad. Okay? Point number four. Don't think every message has to be for you. God needs to speak to all of us, doesn't he? And just because a sermon didn't address an issue in your life doesn't mean that wasn't a good sermon. It was just for somebody else. Number five, told you we're picking up speed. Here we go. Do, do come to him with solutions, not just problems. Remember I told you there is no such thing as constructive criticism. I believe that with all my heart. There is no such thing as constructive criticism. Criticism is destructive. Solutions are constructive. Don't start a conversation by saying, Pastor, you need to do this, you know, and then go on. I tell you, in my ministry, how much I've appreciated people have come to me and said, Pastor, I, I noticed there might be an issue with, with such and such, and, and I would like to be a part of the solution. Of course, I can count on one hand the number of times people came and said that to me. But don't just come with him to him with problems. Come with solutions. Number six, do. Do talk to him about his sermons. On the average, a pastor spends somewhere between, between 10 and 25 hours to prepare one message. That's investing a lot of his time. He would like to hear back from you a little bit on what did that message mean to, to, to you. Now, don't criticize the sermon, okay? But, but tell him what was helpful. Tell him what was encouraging or comforting to you. Yeah, I, I, many times I walked away from preaching a message and nobody commented. I wanted, wow, you know, nobody got it, you know. Nobody, nobody understood what I was talking about. Nobody cares. Or by the, sometimes between the chair and the door, there is this thing that sucks our brains dry, you know. And, and no, make a note. Call him. Drop him a note. Say, you know, Pastor, your sermon Sunday really touched an issue of my life and then talk about it. By the way, you know the worst thing you can say to a sermon after, or a pastor after a sermon? Great pastor sermon, I really, or great past, I'll get it. Good thing I'm winding down. Great sermon, pastor, I really enjoyed it. That's the worst thing you can say to your pastor when you walk out the door. I don't want to hear it was a great sermon. I want to know how it's affecting your life. What's, what, what is it doing for you? Why was it a, a good sermon? Was it a good sermon because, you know, I didn't step on your toes? Uh, you know, interact with a pastor on his sermon, sermon. Number seven, along with that, do tell him how the Lord is growing you. One of the most encouraging things that people ever said to me is, 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 you know, Cal, 
in the past six months, God has really been working in my life, and, and you know, maybe your sermon had a part to do with that. Nothing encourages pastors more than hearing how their congregation is growing spiritually. So if you're growing spiritually, and I hope you all are, let them know. Let them know how. Let them know what's going on in your life. Let them know about the changes in in your relationship with God or your relationships with other people. Number eight, do, do pray for him every day and then tell him what you're praying about. Prayer empowers pastors to be the people that God has sent them to the church to be. You know, I've also noticed it's very difficult to pray about for people and then criticize them. Unless, of course, you're criticizing them in your prayer. But, uh, you know, if we're praying right, it's very hard to be critical and pray. So, so maybe you say, well, I want to pray. I'm really not sure how to pray. Well, here's 10 things that you can pray for your pastor and his family. One. Pray for him in the area of insights into Scripture and understanding of how it applies to people today. You know, pray for him for protection from the work of Satan in his life. Pray for him to, that, that God would help him keep a soft heart in the, in the face of abrasive and abusive people. Pray for his own personal spiritual growth. Pray for a successful ministry, however God defines success. And it usually has no numbers involved. Pray for him that he might have boldness to speak the truth and the grace to speak it with humility. Pray for him that he would persevere through whatever trial he's facing. Pray for his children, that they will grow up with a positive impression of church ministry. We all know that PKs have a bad rap out there. One reason they do is because congregations have not allowed them just to be themselves, too. Pray that they would have a positive impression of church ministry. Pray that he would remain pure. And that his love for Vanessa would increase daily. Pray that that, that you would know how to encourage him each and every day. Pray for your pastor. Number nine. Another do. Do encourage your pastor to read and study for his own personal growth. Now, we all know that pastors have to read, they have to study in order to prepare sermons. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about reading and studying for his own personal growth. Books have influenced me more and changed me more than any other thing in my life. Books have influenced me more than people. Books have influenced me more than any conferences that I have gone to. Give him good books. And by that, I don't mean loan him 
good books. I mean, give him good books to keep, to mark up, to dog ear, to do whatever is necessary when God speaks to him through them. I love biographical books of, of missionaries and pastors. Pastors need books to prepare sermons, but more importantly, they need books for personal spiritual development. Now, conceding the fact that we live in the electronic age, maybe rather than give him a paper book that he's got to find a spot on a bookshelf for, you might just want to give him a subscription to Amazon.com and pay for books and then recommend maybe some books for him to download <clears throat> on his Kindle or, or reader or whatever he has there. Well, I never needed to say that 20 years ago. <clears throat> Number 10. <clears throat> we already covered this a little bit, but do care for your pastor's family. Do not expect the pastor's family to be any better than your own. Recognize that every family is unique. <clears throat> Eliminate unrealistic expectations. Encourage Pastor Chad to make family a priority. Now, I've already seen an email that he sent out where he said what he's going to be doing, and I was very pleased to see on that email that he said he was going to do that. Family is going to be a priority. You know, I've pastored a few churches around the country, and as callous as this may sound, churches come and churches go. But my kids have always stayed the same. We want him to invest his time on his family first, not the church. And that means <clears throat> even above his ministry to me, his ministry to you, to, to give him the time, the energy, and the effort. And, and sometimes it means... Okay, maybe I'm not going to get what I think maybe I need because I'm going to let him have that time with his family. Number 11, do allow time off for personal development. Encourage Chad to continually challenge and improve himself. Do that by underwriting his participation in spiritual retreats, conferences, denominational functions, continuing education every year. See to it that he gets to go away for personal development. Every church will be better served if its leader is filled with new insights and new motivation regularly. Along with that, allow time off for relaxation and restoration. All pastors need time away with their families. They need time just to get away to be with God. I remember once at a church I was at, I, I went to the board and I said, you know, I, <clears throat> I, really, I really need to get away for a couple days just to pray, just, just for my own spiritual edification. And one board member said, we don't pay you for doing nothing. Yeah, doing nothing. 
prayer is doing nothing. Getting away for refreshment is doing nothing. May he never hear anything like that here. Allow him one or two days off a week. Personally, I believe a pastor should have two days off. I know in the olden days it was one day off. I get two days off and every evening. I think he should have a couple days off. As he sets boundaries, make sure that we respect those boundaries. We do not violate those boundaries. If he says Monday is his family day, unless there's blood or broken bones, don't bother him. Okay? Let him have those days off. Grant him adequate vacation days. One of the things that used to tick me off <clears throat> was every time I, turn, I, I changed churches, I went to another church, they, they started calculating vacation days over again. Okay? You get one week the first year and, you know, maybe two weeks the third year. I've been in ministry 30 years and I'm back down to one year vacation again. You know? <clears throat> Don't do that to him. Give him time off kind of replacement days for holidays that he works. Allow him guilt-free time away. And that's so hard for pastors because we think we've got to be everywhere all the time doing everything. And, and, if, if, and you're never done with your work. A day ends and there's always more work you could have done. And you begin to feel guilty because, well, I didn't get everything done. Let him be guilt-free in his personal time away. Number 12. <clears throat> Do give freedom for him to dream and permission to lead. We need to be open to new ideas. We, we need to let our new pastor dream his own dreams and have a vision for the future. And it doesn't necessarily need to be tied to a vision that somebody else had in the past. It may be something completely new. And then pray that God would make that vision clear, not just to the pastor, but to all the leaders in the church. And then when it's made clear that there would be an effort for all to marshal the forces and move towards that vision that he's given him. Our new pastor has access to resources and new concepts from some of the world's greatest leaders. Through, it, through the internet, through people he knows. And that means he comes to us with ideas and dreams for our congregation. And some of those ideas might seem a little strange to us at first. Might seem a little bit different. But stay open. See, dreams are fragile. We want to work to keep our pastor dreaming and alive. And you know the problem with the visions and dreams and trying new things is that occasionally some of those things don't work. They fail miserably. Don't be afraid to let him fail occasionally. Follow his leadership. Let the Holy Spirit work. 
fall in line with his leadership. You know, submission to a pastor may be difficult, but nonetheless, it's what God asks of us. Now, you'll bring joy to the pastor's heart and to the overall leadership of the church if we fall under their leadership. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says this, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. The leadership of the church can do their job with sorrow or they can do it with joy and the difference is you and me. Whether or not we accept their leadership. You know, Paul makes a direct correlation between our obedience and the leader's joy. So we need to make sure we submit to their leadership because it's God's physical means of providing spiritual oversight to our souls. Number 13. Do commit to stand with him through hard times. You know hard times and difficult times will eventually come. It's going to happen. Conflict is inevitable because we're human beings. The average tenure of a, of a senior pastor in the Southern Baptist denomination is three years. Why? Many times it's because there's difficulty, there's tension. You know, we know from from just the marriage relationship. You know, at first there's the honeymoon stage and, and, you know, we know what it's like. You know, the other person can do no wrong. You know, they're perfect. It really is a distortion of our perception. And it's easy to be committed during those times. But sometimes decisions are made in churches and it involves confidentialities. And, and the board and the pastor will make a decision having to do with an individual, and, but they can't tell us why that decision was made. We have to follow their leadership whether we understand it or not. We can't say, oh, you know, that, that board, they, they won't explain themselves. We need to be committed. Number 14. Do release him, and I'm going to add Vanessa in here, her, from being your best buddy. Let them love you. Of course, they, they will. But, but don't try to spend large amounts of time with them because if they get stretched too thin, then they become ineffective in their ministry. I know when new pastors come, folks have all kinds of expectations about, you know, becoming their best pal. And I know some of you, Pastor Cody went out and he fished and he hunted and he hiked and had that kind of relationship with you. Just because that was your relationship with Pastor Cody doesn't mean you're going to have a close relationship with Pastor Chad. Allow him to spend time, fine. I, you know, Again, I think he and I, I think we're going to be friends. 
I'm not going to demand his time. I'm not going to demand that he, you know, come and, and, you know, and spend every Saturday, you know, with me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wake up every morning at 5 o'clock. So for me, having breakfast at 6 is no big deal. There was a time in my life, though, when I did not wake up till 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning, and I always had somebody in the church that wanted to have a 6 o'clock breakfast with me, you know. Find out what his clock is, okay? And if he's not an early riser, then don't say, okay, let's have breakfast at 5 in the morning, you know, type of a thing. I want to talk a little bit more about caring for the pastor's wife. Because I think the job of the pastor's wife is harder than the pastor's job. I really do. And I've seen more problems in churches caused because the church did not take care of the pastor's wife than problems caused in a church because they didn't take care of the pastor. The pastor's wife is often overworked by members of the congregation. Caring for the pastor involves caring for the pastor's wife. Uh, Let me just share some ideas with you. How to care for the pastor's wife, okay? Pay for the pastor's wife to attend conferences, retreats, peer groups, or whatever. Many times I pastored a church, they'd pay for my way to go to a conference, but then I had to pay for Karen's way. And it's kind of like saying, Pastor, you're important. We care about your refreshing. Eh, we don't care about Karen. You know, pay for her to go. Time off for family. Time off for a couple's retreat. You know, I think it would be fantastic if every year, in fact, write this in the Constitution, every year the pastor and his wife have to go on a marriage retreat. That would not be a bad idea. Would not be a bad idea at all. Include the pastor's spouse and children in social activities of the church. Support them in times of illness, crisis, or loss. Provide special treats for the family, such as meals, gift certificates, movie passes, babysitting services. Provide the means for the pastor to spend weekends away with his spouse. Ensure that the pastor takes her full vac- takes his excuse me his full vacation every year. Did you hear that one? Make sure he takes his vacation every year. Don't let him get so caught up in ministry that he doesn't have time to go away. He needs to go away. First he needs to come. Then he needs to go away. Okay. Form a special team of support for the pastor and for the pastor's wife. Number 17. We're almost done. Do stay focused on the big picture. Stay focused on the big picture. 
I think about the only thing that would cause me to personally think about leaving a church would be if the pastor of that church denied the reality of Jesus Christ and therefore diluted the gospel. But yet people leave churches for all sorts of silly reasons. One Christmas as a part of the Christmas program, the children got up and sang happy birthday to Jesus. The next week, a family left the church because we sang happy birthday to Jesus in church. Stupid. I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to say that word. <laughs> I've got grandchildren now. I've got to watch what I say. Uh, that's one of the words. Whew. There are so many issues in the church that we could focus on. So many issues in the church that we could get distracted about. They become idols, and then they lead to decisiveness. And a good question to ask is, will the issue that I'm so concerned about right now, will that be important a year from now? Will that be important five years or ten years? Or even better yet, will that be important in eternity someday? Because the big picture is loving God and loving one another. Jesus said so. Stay focused on the big picture. Be at peace with one another as far as it depends on you. And number 18, we made it. Do look for opportunities to encourage and affirm the new pastor. Look for ways to encourage and, and affirm him. The, the new pastor will work different than I have in the last eight months. See, a temporary pastor can come in. We can be obnoxious for the short term. It doesn't matter. What did I say a few weeks ago? Fire me. Yeah. He can't do that. I can push, prod, and I hope I have. I've ignored certain things because of the time frame. But the new pastor is going to be a different situation, a different sense of urgency, a different pressures are going to be upon him. The relationship is going to be completely different than my relationship. In fact, when, I, when the board interviewed me before we started this whole thing, uh, one of the things I said is, I don't want to be the interim pastor. I just want to be pulpit supply because I can just ignore all the other little things going on in the church and I don't have to pay any attention to them. All I have to do is stand up and talk once a week. Ideas on how to encourage your pastor. You thought we were about done, didn't you? I've got 35 ways <laughs> to encourage your pastor. But you know what we've done? We put them all on a piece of paper and they're sitting on the table over there. Okay? Or going to be. Or they are. Yeah, they're going to be. 35 ways. 
Give him a hug. He's a hugger. You know that? Give him a hug. Give his wife a hug, too. Take his wife to lunch. That's only for women. Okay. <laughs> Mow his lawn, shovel his driveway. We've got two wonderful children. Send their children a greeting card, a fun little greeting card. And put a gift certificate to McDonald's or something. You're not vegan, are you? Oh, good. Uh, call Vanessa up and ask them what kind of pizza do they like, and then order it, pay for it, and have it sent to their home. Here's a good one. Smile during the sermon. (laughs) Nothing worse than preaching up here and looking out at a congregation and they all look like they've been baptized in a dill pickle barrel. You know, (laughs) just smile at him. He'll wonder what you're thinking. Uh, I'm just kind of picking some at random here. Call him at an appropriate time and says, you know, in my, in my Bible reading this morning, I was reading this passage. You know, what does this passage mean? Another one, babysit his kids so he and his wife can go out. Loan him your boat, four-wheeler or RV. Or if you really want to go whole hog, give him your one-week timeshare in Hawaii. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and while we're on that topic, take him golfing with you. ask someone other than the pastor to pray before the next church meal we're going to have a picnic what is it next Saturday okay ask somebody other than the pastor to pray okay the pastor is always the one you go to the people's house you have a meal pastor would you pray for okay you know and he's happy to do it but You know what would bless his heart? Hearing you pray. That would be encouraging to him. Give him a gift. Give his wife a gift. Give his children a gift. Sing your heart out at a church worship service. Yeah. Tell him you appreciate him and tell him why. <laughs> it's my last sermon, why not? Sit, sit closer to the front during the service, okay? A bunch of back row Baptists. Uh, I better sit down and be quiet. One more. Never publicly criticize him. If you have a concern or a complaint, speak directly with him about it. Or better yet, just forgive him and forget it. Okay? 
Well, that sheet's on the table over there for you. I am so excited. I am so looking forward to hearing Pastor Chad and seeing how God is going to lead and direct us through him. And I just want to make sure that we do our part. Because it's not, we've, we haven't hired, you know, uh, someone, to, an employee that we can just treat any way we want. We have entered into a, a relationship and both of us have responsibilities. Let's make sure we do ours, okay? Let's pray.